What's up, OBR Film Breakdown listeners? Before we get to today's show, just a reminder about the $100 in free bets over at the number one sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook. Use the promo code OBR today to claim that $100 in free bets. Again, that's promo code OBR at FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, President Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on 1-1-2023. Unique user identification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, the latest on the OBR Film Breakdown podcast. Welcome in to today's OBR Film Breakdown podcast presented by FanDuel. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are here and joined by Jordan Zerm as we are going to go around the NFL and talk about a variety of topics. We'll get to uh, our time with Jordan in just a second. Before we do so, just a quick reminder of things we have going on at the OBR. A lot of fun topics. We hit Chalk Talk last night where if if you're curious about why the Browns maybe didn't have some run game success or what happened that led to some stagnation in the first three quarters. Covered all of that with Kyle Murphy for your consumption on the OBR's Twitch. Check that out. We did finally get some information on the uh, Jack Conklin extension, what the good, bad, and ugly of that is. Jack Duffin broke that down. That's readily available for you to check out, among various other things, including a fun study of uh, the cost of drop passes, what you're looking at for in terms of EPA, on a drop pass, uh, those two key drops from the Donovan Peoples-Jones, obviously, and then the drop at the very last play, well, the third down play from David Njoku. You get a study of that from Anthony Reinhardt up at the OBR. All good stuff. We talked with Jared Mueller yesterday. We're welcoming in Jordan now. Jordan, we got a ton of good topics to hit on here, man. What's up? How you doing? How's Ohio treating you? Yeah, man, Ohio's good. It was, uh, it was a bit of a shock to come back to some... Um... Uh, negative temps, man. I haven't felt I haven't felt those in a little while. So you know, I went out in it, got my bones adjusted to it. You know, it's character building weather, as I like to say. So that was great. But uh, sun's out today, Jake. It's almost forty. It's basically L.A. here now. So I'm I'm right at home. I'm, I'm imagining you beat the craziness of Christmas flying because oh, I saw man. LAX grounded like all Southwest flights. Am I right about that? Yeah, Southwest is a nightmare. Uh, I have a I have a friend in town who was supposed to leave tomorrow. He lives in the Phoenix, Tucson area. Uh, he was supposed to leave tomorrow. His flight has now been delayed all the way till Monday. So um, it's really bad. Uh, Southwest doesn't really go from, from LA um, to Cleveland, at least. So I, I don't usually fly Southwest, but man, what a, I, th- I think I saw today they canceled another 62% of their flights. <laughs> like it is just that it's one of the wildest things I've ever seen. So fortunately I avoided that. Um, I'm also staying through the week, so I'm not, uh, I think I was had the foresight not to try and schedule a flight uh, right around the holidays regardless. Cause it's just a, it's just a nightmare, man, trying to travel um, around Christmas, especially. So I have, uh, I have avoided that. Uh, I'm here for the next week and then I will hopefully have a smooth flight back to LA next week. Yeah, this is, I would imagine most people are sticking around through the week, whether they want to or not. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's gross, man. Uh, it sucks. I'm sorry if there's any of you listening to this pod who are dealing with that. I know that's not fun at all. Um, okay. Let's, let's dive into some topics today. We have some quick hitters. So we, the first thing we want to talk about is Deshaun. I think if you look around the league, 
There still seems to be people at the national level who, again, they don't like him. I understand why. I don't think it's a mystery, but they're sort of packing on and, and giving him crap about his performance this season. I don't think that's going to stop. I think, though, where people are trying to do, I don't know if it's cross the line or not, but they're trying to put him in the Russell Wilson mold, right? Like where they're trying to say this is the same sort of mistake the Russell Wilson trade was and you can see it in the stats. You can see it in the play. Are you there? Are you like, let me ask you this, like as a meter, a one being that's totally ludicrous, 10 being I'm full on Russell Wilson, uh, you know, cl- Brown's country, let's ride nervous. Um, like, where are you on that scale in terms of being afraid that this is just maybe not a good fit? I'm probably at like a two. I, okay. I just, it's hard for me to like, I mean, one, I think, first of all, the the Russell Wilson, his play has has been about as abysmal. You know, it's not even like, oh, he's fallen off a little bit. Like, I think there's legitimate worry there that he is just never going to be um, the quarterback he was in Seattle ever again. And and that this is now sort of like what's happened to Matt Ryan in, in Indianapolis. Like, the, you know, they're obviously different quarterbacks just in terms of like, getting older, not being able to do the things they once did. Matt Bryan, it's more, I guess, arm strength there. But with Russ, it's like he just can't really extend plays uh, like he used to, um, which was, you know, his legs were such a factor in Seattle and extending plays and taking deep shots. And it's just not, he's just not able to do it. So I think one, like it's, I don't have any worry really, not yet anyway. Now, now next season is a different story. Like as we get through, but like one, I, I don't really have any fear that Deshaun Watson has suddenly lost the ability to play football at a high level. Um, so there's that also too, I guess I just don't feel like he has played as poorly as, as people are making it seem. Now I know like the, the stats are not kind. He has not been, he has not been good. I don't think, but I think when you take into account, like the, the two weather games he had to play, like outside of the, you know, the Texans game was a disaster, um, but that was his first game back. I think when you take into account, like, um, the two weather games, the Cincinnati game obviously wasn't great either, but then, you know, he's got a, the Baltimore game and now um, last week's game. It, you just have to take into account, like, what the weather was providing you. And and I think that, like, that game against the Saints, for what it was, I, I thought he played pretty well. I think you can – critique the decision-making a little bit and how he sees the field sometimes. And I think like, you know, when people were up in arms about sort of some of the third and fourth down calls, like to me, you know, he didn't have to to sort of take those deep shots there. I, there were other options, other stuff he could have done. So like the, the field vision and, and decision-making, which are very obviously to me things that are going to take the longest to come back, I think, um, you know, that that's still taking time, but like I, he made some unbelievable throws in that game against the Saints. Um, many were dropped, um, but like he he did some stuff in that Saints game that I think when you put him in normal weather conditions um, after he's had sort of a lot of time to to get back to who he is. I mean, I think you can see a little bit of the glimpses there. So um, has it been slow, a slower acclimation than I think a lot of us thought? Probably. But I, I do think you're seeing tangible evidence of improvement every week. Um, and I think, like, to be – to compare him to what's going on in Denver, I think, is, is kind of insane because I just don't think those are those are equal playing fields whatsoever. It's interesting. His rookie year, he started six games, 2017, due for 1,700 yards, 19 touchdowns, eight interceptions. 
So he started four. He's two left. He's at 703, two touchdowns, three interceptions. His career has been about an 8.3. We'll go down the line of yards per attempt. 8.3, 8.2, 7.8, 8.9. He's at 5.7 right now. So yeah. it um let's put it this way. It's not been great. I think you're right. There have been glimpses. Um, certainly slower out of the gates than we all anticipated. L- let's say this. If we want this noise, because we're Brown's people, there are people that are outside of the circles of Cleveland who are going to be pushing this agenda pretty hard this offseason. What type of performances does it need to happen? Do you, okay, let me say this, because I asked Jared the same question yesterday. Do you think he will do things over the next two weeks to shut people up? Because these are two good defenses. Like, like that defensive line for for uh for 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 the commanders i'm it's the first time in my life now that i haven't said redskins uh first rip off <laughs> commanders the commanders defensive line is phenomenal and the browns offensive line has been playing pretty poorly and it's just hard for me to see him dropping two 300 yard games to close out the year and it just feels like we're headed to this offseason of people doubting like just constantly doubting deshaun and mocking the browns and listen that might happen anyway probably would do you think that's a good thing for Deshaun that he needs to hear this stuff and come back motivated, ready to go? Like, is there a way this works out the last two weeks to shut people up? Just curious your thoughts on it. Um, no, I mean, it's a great question. I, I don't think he's going to have a type of performance like where he's throwing for 300 yards and three touchdowns um, against either the the commanders or the Steelers. I just, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, so no, I, I don't think it's going to be something where people are going to be satisfied at the end of the season about, you know, what this team could look like next year. Um, but like, to me personally, that's not really what I'm, it's not really what I'm worried about. Um, I think putting, we've talked about this on a previous pod, but like putting that much stock into um, this, these last handful of games to me was always, um, always felt a little, a little ridiculous. Um, now, if he has two abysmal games, Jake, like if he looks like what he looked like against the Texans in any of these games, then I think, yeah, you, you start to wonder a little bit more than maybe you did, but like if he has an average game in both these games where, you know, he throws a pick in both of them, but he throws a touchdown or two, or he at least is, you know, engineering multiple touchdown drives where you don't feel like, Oh, he, that's like the Deshaun Watson of old, but you feel like he's playing decent. Um, That to me is really what my baseline is at. I, I just don't think like in season until he has the opportunity to, have a full off season, have a full preseason, full training camp, all of that stuff. I just don't think he's going to get like, he needs that to get back to any sort of elite quarterbacking level. And I, I feel like the expectations for that um, to be what that like to be that quarterback immediately have always been a little far fetched. So um, no, I don't think he's going to shut anybody up. I mean, I think there's going to be plenty of fair questions in the off season, um, especially if they like lose these next two games or, or don't play well. Um, but to me, it was never really, again, like it's never really been about this season to me. Uh, and I don't think it's about this season to the people in that building either. Um, I think it's all about next season and, and what they're going to be able to do with a, with a fully acclimated Sean Watson. So um, no, I mean, there's going to be noise and, you know, rightfully so this is what they brought on themselves. I'm not, uh, I'm not saying this is, there shouldn't be noise. Um, there's going to be, they, they put themselves in this position and they're going to get fair or, or even unfair criticism for it. And I, I don't think they should be shielded from that at all. But I just personally just don't. I just don't care. I'm, I, I'm not putting that type of value on these last two games that I think uh, other people are and other people will as we go into the offseason. 
would be particularly ugly if the Steelers end up making the playoffs in the identical path the Browns basically needed to, and yep. Pickett beats uh, the Browns Week 18. Do you think that there's any chance tough. they sit Deshaun the, the the last week of the year? Do you think there? I I don't think there is, but do you think there is a chance? I, I don't think there is either. Um, I mean, I don't know what benefits reps. Yeah, I don't know what the benefit would be. Um, it, it would almost, you know, if they did that, I feel like they'd actually get more criticism. Like they're trying to shield him from another another bad performance. Like say he plays poorly against Washington and then they're like, ah, we're going to sit to Sean, you know, give him some, uh, let him get his head right, all this stuff. Like that to me would almost make it worse. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. criticism would come pretty hard there. So no, I don't think they will. I think they'll let him play out these final two games. But yeah, losing to, losing to the Steelers in a way where like Kenny Pickett, tears up the Browns and the Browns look awful would be would be pretty tough I mean that is a scenario where it's like okay what is actually going on um so that that would be tough let's hope that doesn't happen I would I would hope it doesn't it's a graveyard there so many bad decisions oh, have been made after long so many end of the season the yeah so many end of the season just absolute clusters uh after losses to the Steelers uh so so you just you got to hold your breath through that one Piggybacking off of this, looking into next year, it's clear to me that they have to build an offense that's completely inverse from what they've done. I think they have to build an offense that is predicated on throwing, and then from that throwing success, you find abilities to run Nick Chubb, different opportunities, different schemes. They have to completely flip it. What's funny is we're not going to name names. There was a report that was leaked. I'm always fascinated by people that will take stuff behind a paywall and then yeah. post it so freely yeah. like you're doing nothing wrong it's so it's yep. so hilarious paywall business will never work anymore hey, because you gotta get those stuff. gotta get those retweets man i i guess it's a dopamine jump for some people but so you you get the story about analytics is the enemy they're they're impacting game plans they go so far as to call it impacting play-by-play decisions i think there's a lot of conjecture in that piece that's out there basically trying to plant the seed that <laughs> The funniest part, the crux of the argument is that the Browns think it's more valuable to get a 13-yard pass than a 7-yard run, which is like, um, you know, <laughs> I've run out of fingers here. I think 13 yeah. is more than 7. So this is a fascinating thing that we're still sort of dealing with. And I don't know, I don't remember pre-Nick Chubb Brown's Twitter, where you do have a hyper-talented running back, but he's almost shifted the thought process that you cannot even fathom throwing it. Even if someone said, Hey, I'll give you an 18-yard Nick Chubb run or a 32-yard Donovan Peoples-Jones catch. I feel like they would pick the Chubb run and like not even think twice about it. It's so weird. And like even the way some things are framed around the league, like I like Marcus Moses, a nice guy, does some good stuff on Twitter, covers the Cowboys, but he posts this exclusive um, piece of content. He does not exclusive. I shouldn't say that. Other people do it, but it's explosive play rate where it measures an explosive play in the pass game is 20 yards, but an explosive play in the run game is 10 yards. And I'm like, what? what? Like yeah. he, and they use it as justification. And in particular today, his justification was that the, I can't believe the Browns are considering getting rid of, of Kevin Stefanski, which again, I, I, you guys know this, I believe they should keep him another year. Jordan and I have been adamant about that, but it's just a funny thing of like the Browns have had, um, let's look at it here. 69 nice uh, rushing plays of 10 plus yards, <laughs> which is the most, I think, or close to it. They're behind. They're tied with Philly behind Chicago and Baltimore for obvious reasons. All three of those teams incorporate quarterback run game. Browns, for the most part this year, have not incorporated any quarterback run game. But the Browns only have 38 explosive air quotes, explosive receptions. And that's not good. That's bottom six of the league. And, and what's amazing to me is 
how are we viewing explosive plays differently in different phases? It's football. I won't, I want 20 yard plays no matter how they come. And why we're saying that a 10 yard run is as exclusively uh, explosive as a 20 yard pass is sort of mind blowing to me. And it's like, okay, so I kind of mocked up this example for the OBR staff because we're going about it, talking about this. And I'm like, okay, so this is the conversation. Hey, we hit an explosive play. They said, oh, it was a 20-yard pass? Hell yeah. I said, no, it was a 10-yard run. That's not the same. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Why? Because we did it by running. It's like, no, they're not the same. So why are we mocking them up as the same? They're not. And I think that's what the Browns, who have paid $230 million to a quarterback, have got to fight all offseason to accomplish. They've gone by the years with Jacoby and Baker as saying, we need to run the football to set up throwing and the opportunities that come off of that. Not necessarily saying you have to do that because there's been great data and these guys are smart and they know that you can create opportunities and play action without successfully running the rock. But we're seeing a dry up in that. I'm writing an article right now, Jordan, that is showing over three years, the play action EPA for the Browns has fallen off significantly. And that to me reeks of why they need a shift to what should be what every team is doing, but you're throwing the ball to create too high opportunities to run the football. Yep. Like that has yep. to be the shift this off season. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's um, I think those are all really good points. And this is probably for me, the most frustrating part of, you know, the, the big run game propaganda that is out there because it just, it is, it is just wild to see, like, and I, and I try to do it in, like, the simplest terms, and I was discussing this with you before we went on, like, to run the ball successfully and to consider a, a run a success, like, the best running backs in the NFL are averaging between four and five yards a carry, whereas, like, a average pass, you know, in the NFL, like you said, for, for Deshaun, for most of his career, he's averaging, you know, what, eight, eight yards per, per attempt, like, mm-hmm. so the simplest pass is getting you more yards um, than a run. And even like breaking it down simpler to run the ball, you are turning around, you are giving it to a player who is behind the line of scrimmage. Whereas in most passing plays, unless you're running a screen or or a bubble screen or whatever, you are throwing the ball at least in a positive yard direction. So like there, there are so many more benefits to being able to pass the ball. Um, than there are to running the ball just on like the, the simplest plane. And it's like, you know, Jake, when we think about the, the 2020 season and why the Browns made the playoffs, it, they've always been a good running team. The Browns have, it, while Stefanski has been here, the Browns have consistently been one of the best running teams by any metric that you look at in the NFL. They made the playoffs one time and they made those playoffs because why? Because Baker Mayfield halfway through the season turned, turned it around and played the, probably the best football um, of his career that he may never reach again. So, and it, it's just very, I find it funny that we just sort of ignore these things because had Baker kept playing poorly, um, the Browns don't make the playoffs and the Browns don't win that playoff game. Um, there's just like, there's so much evidence to the, to the contrary of you need to be able to throw the ball in the NFL to win. And and this is not some radical concept anymore. You know, this is, I just don't know if there's another fan base or another um, beat that consistently pounds the drum for this 1960s offense than it is in Cleveland. I, I, you know, I don't live in these other cities. I don't know if like in Minnesota, people are like, give it to Dalvin Cook more or like, you know, like, I, and I'm sure there are people, 
but it's just very um, I've just never seen anything like it where it to me it feels like such a simple concept and I and I don't like mean to like be condescending or talk down or anything it's just very like the concept of passing versus running and the success rate and expected points added literally anything that you can get from passing the ball compared to running it um, is is so stark to me and and yet we seem to be stuck in this well you know, the weather was bad. They threw too much. That's why they lost this game. When like, I'm sitting on my couch and we're watching this and it's like, that's, that's certainly not the reason they lost that game, but it just continues to be, it continues to be a narrative. And it's just very fascinating to me. It's moving in a weird direction where I, I just don't like it. But what I'll say going back to next year is I just, you can't have imbalance total one way or the other like you can't be i really don't think you can run leech air raid stuff in the nfl in terms of run pass discrepancy teams will sit on it there's no it's gonna there's gonna there's gonna be drop seven drop eights you're not gonna have throwing like you do have to have semblances of balance like you do need to have balance but i think that cleveland has leaned so far into the threat of running and how they align formationally and how they align personnel wise at times the teams are not at all afraid of playing very forward football they have to find easy throws easy concepts quick hitting passing yards to keep teams at a neutral i always talk about this is the defense playing on their toes their midfoot or their heels and right now defenses are all on their toes against cleveland they're they're pretty much we know where to go we know what you're trying to do we're going to take that away from you and we don't have any fear of taking two steps in the wrong direction and recovering so how do they flip that i think they have a quarterback now who can do those things his data tells you it can his his um film tells you he can how do you incorporate that and then from those opportunities that you should be creating by throwing it then you say okay how do we incorporate nick or whatever other running back angle we want to take advantage of that because i think people need to know this we love nick chubb he is great he is a great player but Jordan, they gave $230 million to a quarterback, and they have to lean everything in to him. He is the driving force. He is the engine. Now you're fitting pieces around that. You, you're you're less worried about Nick Chubb's ideal alignment as you are with what's the right time to run. You know what I'm saying? So yep. that evolution into next year is going to be the single most interesting thing. Like that, that is the single most interesting because they cannot – they can't change the status quo as it is right now. They're too deep yeah. in the trenches. And that's probably something they they perhaps knew when they made this decision and then it got bumped to week 11 is that this was just how it was going to go, but a, a potential for how it was going to go. I should say that. But this shift in the offseason, and, and it should feel much different next year. It really should. So... That, I mean, I'll leave it at that. There's going to be a ton of coverage in the offseason. I'll, I'll break down what I'm looking for, but it, it should feel significantly different because they have to they have to run their offense in a way that that allows Deshaun to hurt defenses instead of giving Deshaun chances to hurt defenses based off of scheme and structure. If that makes sense, yeah. like no, it they does, have and to I think, use skills. I think your your point and how you phrase it in that you know using the pass to open up the run instead of what they've been doing for a while now, which is essentially using the run to, to open up play action and, and the pass when they had Baker, like it's just not feasible. And I don't know what these statistics are on, you know, the, the Browns running game facing, you know, stacked boxes or heavy boxes this year, but it feels like 
this year has felt like the first year that the defensive have really, really keyed in on their running game, especially after the bye, um, yeah. and really just shut it, shut it down for the most part. And I think that's really spot on about you, you have this quarterback that is going to, you know, exactly like get more too high looks. You're going to get more light boxes. And then, then you can really pick your spots when you want to run. And then you are hopefully getting, instead of these, these three yards, these four yards, you're when you're running the ball, you're getting back to getting these 10 to 15 yard chunks. Um, because when you're not getting those, and, and I think Bill Barnwell actually tweeted this out this morning um, about how much a, when you run poorly, when you are not getting, um, you know, consistent success in the running game, it really, really hurts uh, your chance of winning a football game. It, it makes things harder. You're behind the sticks. You're in third and longs, all that. And we've seen that with the Browns, Jake, that's another thing too. Like how many times has Deshaun been behind the sticks on third down, especially in that game against the saints um, third and long, third and long, third and long. And it's because they're trying to continue to run the ball like that. And it's just not, um, it's not giving the success that it, that it has in the past. So I think, the way you phrase that is really spot on and it's going to be um, it's going to be something to look at on how Kevin can kind of tweak this offense so that, you know, they can use what they have at quarterback to, to open up the run and, and not the other way around. It's going to be a complete shift. It's just going to be completely different than you think people are mad now. They, they, <laughs> they, 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 it could shift, but again, if they find success with it as they should, there shouldn't be a problem, right? There shouldn't be a problem. So we're going to take a break. We'll be right back uh, to 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 uh, wrap up. We got some fun topics to hit on, and we'll we'll get out of here. Hey guys, telling you again about the fantastic offer coming up from FanDuel, America's number one sports book, which is coming to the Buckeye State at the turn of the year. They're already available. If you go in, sign up, you get a hundred dollars in free bets with an early sign up bonus. Now, again, reminder: you cannot get this offer. If you wait around and do it after the turn of the new year, when, when it's a go live date for sports betting in Ohio, you have to do it early. You get an early sign-up bonus by using the promo code OBR. Very simple. Just OBR. Get that sign-up bonus, right? Get $100 in free bets. Just have to download the FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. Safe, secure, super easy to use. I already do it for some of the shows that I do on Sundays just to look at lines and give advice. Download that app. Ohio, it's your chance to get in on the action. Join today. Again, promo code OBR. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Again, the disclaimer, 21 and older. You'll be present in Ohio. Bonuses issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1-1 of 2023. Unique user identity verification is required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So as the season winds down, Jordan, we need to do our playoff power rankings. We're going to do these over the next two weeks and then pick our playoff teams lottery style for who we think is going to win. We'll, we'll see who ends up picking the team that ends up winning it. Um, let's do it. Who are your five teams? I'll put the phrase it this way. Who are the five teams you trust the most right now to win uh, to win a Super Bowl? Okay, I like that. Um, I My one seed, and I think the, the team that still is at my top is the Kansas City Chiefs. I just... Until Patrick Mahomes stops playing football like an alien, I just cannot. He's um, the MVP, think, right? Like easy MVP. He's the MVP, and it's not a question. Like I, I just don't think. I understand why people want to give it to other people because he's already won one. But like the stuff he's doing, man, he lost Tyreek Hill, and it just doesn't matter. <laughs> like it's yeah. just Tyreek Hill is not some. Don't like Ben receiver. Watson and Marcus Valdez Scantling. Yeah, he's got Kadarius Tony out there for like seven snaps a game. Like there's just. Their offense is all over the place, and if they had maybe any other quarterback, you'd be like, the Chiefs might be bad, but it just doesn't matter because he's yeah. he's so good. So um, I know what you're trying to I'll do, go... Bengals fans. I respect it. I love Joe Burrow, but it's not the yeah. same. It's not. It's it's not quite the same. Um, I think after the Chiefs, you know, the Eagles are fascinating to me because they've they've had some shaky football games uh, over the second half of the season, and now with you know Jalen Hurts is dealing with an injury, and like who knows how healthy, but. I think when they're like at their at their best, like they just have with Devonta Smith on one side and AJ on the other, and and Jalen can just throw some go balls and some slants. Like mm-hmm. they're they're a good football team, and and especially with how Jalen has used his legs. So I still think like if they're operating at at peak power and and Jalen is healthy, um, that's a team that would terrify me just because of their receiving situation and the threat of of Jalen running. So. Um, I'll put them in there. Um, I, I, Buffalo, you got to put in there, but man, they've they've also been a little uninspiring in in the second half. But I think like, you know, I don't like going against Josh Allen. I think he's a he's a dude, a certified dude, all caps. Um, so uh, we're putting Buffalo in there, and then final two teams. This one I think is really interesting. I think I have to put the Bengals in there. Um, just because of how their offense has looked, uh, especially once they got Jamar Chase back. Um, mm-hmm. I think Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow rocks. He plays well under the lights, plays well in big games. Um, so I, I, I'm putting the Bengals in there and then, man, it's wild for me to do this, but I, but I don't know, man, like San Francisco, even though they're starting Brock Purdy at quarterback, <laughs> like I feel stronger about them than I do say the Cowboys, you know, which to me is, is kind of wild, but I just like, because of Kyle Shanahan and because of the weapons they have around Purdy and, and they ask him to do so little, 
I think I have to put them. I, I just like I'm looking at the other teams between, you know, the the Chargers or Jacksonville or like you know there just aren't outside of Dallas. There's just not that many other teams that I feel like feel better about than than San Francisco. So I think I've got to put the the Forty ers in there as as the fifth team. Kirk Cousins, here is your slander. You yeah, I'm it. sorry, Kirk. Man, listen. Just, here's here's a fun one. I got sent over. I usually hate these like Instagram mock up goofy pick this team, that team, or the other. But this is actually one of the best ones I've ever seen. So it says pick your squad. So A, it's an A, B, C, or D choice. Okay, yeah. so it's A is Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and Chad Johnson. Obviously, these guys are in their prime that we're bringing in as the third piece. So you get Burrow, Jamar Chase, Chad Johnson. B is Hertz, AJ Brown, To. C, Dak, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Irvin, or D, Kirk, Justin Jefferson, Randy Moss. And I'm like, oh, Oh, God, that is tough. (laughs) Oh, boy. That's really hard. I think the two that stand out to me are are Jalen with T.O. and A.J. Brown and Kirk with Jefferson and Moss. I think that, so man. too, man. And I still think I might go with Jefferson and Moss, even if it's Kirk. Uh, yeah. They're down there somewhere, bro. Throw they're it They're down there somewhere. He wouldn't <laughs> absolutely just throw that thing in the air. One of them will come down with it. So that's, uh, that's, that's fun. Yeah. That's a fun exercise. One of the few random ones where I've been like, okay, that was done well. And it was thought provoking. Um, Okay. So yours, I'm going to echo your first four. I don't really even think you can argue it. Um. I think you could probably talk me into after Monday saying I trust the Bengals more than the Bills, but I feel like the Bills deserve some credit. Did they get that game at home? I think it is a home game, right? Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. No, actually, I think it's uh, in Cincinnati. Oh, no, is it in Cincinnati? It is in Cincinnati. So maybe we can okay. alter this after the weekend and see what happens because yeah. the, the Bengals are just – they're so well coached. But I think that's fair. Jalen Hurts drops me out of one – his injury, what he looks like coming off of that. So I will I will echo your first four. I do think I have to go Dallas just because it's the next trustworthy quarterback. I mean, Dak has four, but um, Fair enough. I need to see uh, dirty Brock Purdy. Like, what does he look like? <laughs> what does he look like? Big Brock energy uh, under yeah. the lights of the playoffs. Yeah. I have a hard time. The Vikings are the weirdest 12 and three team in the history. And I will say sitting in the NFC and just sort of hovering and we might make the playoffs territory are two quarterbacks who could just go on runs, Aaron Rodgers and and, and Tom Brady, who are just yeah, sort of floating there ready to lurking. ruin floating there they're ready lurking. to ruin someone's good season with a with a three game bender. Um that, that I could can't be. I just I can't have Aaron Rodgers do it. Like just please don't. Like just relax and don't do it. You know, just go yeah. have an off season, dude. Yeah. Don't do, do it. You, do you believe in nine eleven? So anyway, that's um, that's it. That's our NFL talk. We're going to switch over. If you're not a fan of talking, uh, hearing us talk about Cleveland local teams, and we're going to we're going to do our opinion on the Ohio State Georgia game in just a moment to uh, turn us off. Thanks for being here. Otherwise, we're going to keep going. The Guardians, nothing new. There's it's been really quiet. The Carlos Correa thing. You know, he could sign here for a year, though, if he wanted to. Wild, (laughs) man. The Carlos Correa story is one of the wilder ones that I've uh, wilder free agency stories that I've I've witnessed. We can accommodate. You know? Yeah, come on over, man. We'll pass your physical. I don't care Bro, what it is. Yeah, you, you a... can pl- you can play with a plate in your shin for a year, or whatever yeah, it is. Who cares? No problem. Let's go. Are they they make shin guards. You're in, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, nothing new on that front. I still think there's a trade coming in the next month. That is, they've got to shake something up. They got too many, yep. too many pieces there. I just think the trade's coming. Um, Cavs. So they were hot. They've gone on a, a little uh, a little bit of a cold streak here. They hadn't lost many home games, and then they. 
drop one to the Raptors, who the Raptors just appear to be the worst matchup ever for them. And then the Nets, oh. I think that was less a Nets loss as it is like, like a, so it's not a bad loss. When the Nets are locked in and you truly have an engaged Kyrie and Kevin, and some of their pieces around them are fun too. Like they're they're really scary. That like that Nets team is really scary. Yeah, so, I uh I was at I was at that game versus Nets. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's not now the Cavs didn't play uh, particularly well in that game, but when Kevin and Kyrie are making shots like that, I, you're there's just very little you can do. So um, yeah, I chalk that one up to even if the Cavs had like balled out. Uh, that would have been a tough game to win because of what what those two are doing. So the Nets are quietly um, going on a. I mean, I think that was their ninth win in a row. They're quietly climbing up the standings rapidly and looking like uh, the team that people thought that they could be, like you know, a year or two years ago before everything with Kyrie happened and Steve Nash happened. So that mm-hmm. is uh, that is something to look out for. They're playing really, really good basketball. It seems like they're getting Ricky Rubio back soon. That will help some. Yep. They, they need a. Is there is there a route to a trade piece that matters? Is Kevin somebody and his expiring that you can dangle? Like, is there a real trade piece? Have you found us a wing yet? Is there as I, is? Yeah. I have a hard time seeing this Cavs team beat the Nets, Celtics, or Bucks yep. in seven games. They they've done a great job building something that matters. I think they're still too early in the mobile. Like Mobley hasn't jumped, jumped. Yes. Like he's been he's jumped in a sense. He's been better but he's not the offensive weapon. They need a real dynamic third weapon. And I'm not saying you can trade for that. That's not going to happen right now. But like, is there somebody they can get that can help in this regard short term over the next few years in, in season? I don't know. I don't know, man. Cause it's, it feels like they're I, fighting a real battle there. Yeah. I mean, I think the Nets game really, um, there were so many possessions where the Cavs moved the ball and somebody pointed this out on Twitter. Um, Steve Jones is a, is a great follow. He's sort of a X's and O's um, basketball guy, but he breaks down a lot of games with video clips and um, he was doing Nets Cavs and he had a tweet that essentially was just like the Cavs have these possessions where they move the ball super well. They run a really great set and the ball ends up in the corner to a wide open Lamar Stevens or Isaac Okora. Like the the ball is ending up in the hands of the player that is not able to make the shot where if you simply substituted out a league average three-point shooter <laughs> for either one of those guys they need like change. mike miller right they need you like know, a three and yes. d guy they need a three and d guy i mean i i think I, i'm sure they're aware this has been the issue all season long it's just become more glaring um but it's just you know these are the possessions the defense is gonna let um, those guys stand in the corner and they're going to play off them and they're going to sag into the paint to try and take away the the lob off these pick and rolls. So like, I think that's why you've seen um, a real lack of lobs this season to both Jared Allen and, and Evan Mobley. I don't have the exact statistics, but they're way down. Um, and it's because guys are just playing off those, those corner wings because there's no threat of, of the shot. So they, I don't know what you can trade. I mean, like a Coro is a piece that I think would entice some people because of how young he is. Um, Karis LeVert is going to be an expiring contract and, and there's always value. Um, there's always value in that uh, for some teams to, to kind of take somebody like that on because they get their, their salary off the books uh, if, if things don't work out. But um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. I, I don't know. I don't know what would be what's available quite yet in terms of like what the Cavs could package together, but they do, they do have. I, I still don't think they're going to. They would move Kevin Love, but I mean, you do have. I think with Okoro, maybe you you know, you package Dylan Windler in there just to be like, hey, I know this guy like has never played actual basketball, but he's also still young, has the threat of a shot. Like we'll package him 
um, along with some picks, like something like that to, to try and pry one of these, one of these wings from teams that aren't going anywhere this season as we get closer to the deadline. So I don't know who that is yet. Um, I think you'll start to hear, you know, rumors as, as we go forward, but um, I think they know they need to address that problem because, you know, pretty much every night it's becoming a, it's becoming a thing where the ball gets, you know, they have this great possession and it ends with a guy that can't shoot shooting the ball and, and they just can't, they can't survive like that against good teams. Can't hide them. They got it. They got it. They got to, uh, they got, they got to figure out an answer, man. It is, it is yeah. extremely annoying. And the guys you can hide with that stuff are the people initiating, right? Like Draymond's an initiator and, yep. and uh, Simmons, those types who are moving screeners and doing a bunch of unique things. And they don't have that uh, luxury with Lamar and uh, Coro. So uh, we'll see. We'll keep following the Cavs. Jordan will give us an answer at some point this year on who he wants to trade for. I'll secure, I'll, yeah. I'll secure a wing. I'll take him back yeah. on a flight with me with some time. So I, I'm on it. Just not Southwest. Um, <laughs> okay. Ohio State, Georgia. How are you? I mean, I, you're an Ohio guy like me. We didn't go to Ohio State, but we pay attention from afar. I don't have a good feeling about this. Um, I, yeah. I, I think that they have to play a really, really perfect game. And even if they do, I I think Georgia still hangs around and has a chance to win it. Um, boy, I feel like there's a, there's a world of pressure on CJ Stroud in this game. I, I, I just, um, I don't know how they're going to run. I, I don't envision them running the ball very well on that Georgia front. And then it's like, can he, I feel like we're going to get in the second quarter of this game and they're going to be out of answers. And, and like, it's just going to be dropped back and, and hope that the scheme unfolds the way it's supposed to. Cause CJ doesn't run. He, he, he scrambles um, very rarely to take advantage of cheap yards. They run no quarterback run game and they have no RPO game. And it's like, okay, so you're telling me you think you can just block up Georgia. Now maybe they develop some of these things in the month off. I don't know. I just have a bad feeling about it. I, I don't, I don't really think Ohio state wins this game, but I'm probably pissing a lot of people off. We'll talk to Doug Marie's about this on this pod um, to, to tonight or tomorrow, but I just, do you see a path here or am I missing something? Um, no, I think I align with you. I, I think the only thing I'll say is that um, I do think Georgia, this Georgia team is nowhere near um, the team they had last season. And, you know, I, my Missouri Tigers somehow almost knocked them off at home before letting Georgia come back into that game and win. But like, they had some really pretty bad performances against some um, some not very good teams in the SEC that they kind of eked out wins over. So I, I will say that is that I just don't think they quite have the same dudes that they had last season. But um, having said that, I don't know Ohio State. I think they were just you know they they have this long layoff after that after that Michigan game, and that can be a tough thing for a team to sort of kind of bounce back after something like that too. And I think the, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, opting out of the game is, is a blow um, even though he, you know, he didn't play very much the season, but I think just giving them another option aside from Marvin Harrison jr. Would have been, would have been big for them. And CJ has been pretty hot and cold this season. So I, I think that even though Georgia has not um, kind of had the season that they did last year, I still think this is going to be a really tough, kind of tough road, especially against that defense for, for Ohio state. So I side with you. Um, but I do think if there is anything to kind of be optimistic about is that it is Georgia has let some inferior talent um, sort of play with them for almost four quarters in, in a handful of games this season. And I, I think you can look to that a little bit, but um, nah, man, Jalen Carter might eat everybody up. They, they always have, you know, from Jordan Davis, not a Jalen, they always just have some giant dude on their D line. Who's going to like, who will eat you. So um, that will be, that will be fun to see 
uh, how Ohio State sort of keeps him in check too. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think it'll be closer than people maybe think, but I, I don't know if Ohio State gets out with a win. TCU, Michigan, who are you taking? Oh, taking Michigan, man. I just a team like TCU uh, in the, these teams like that that get into the playoff just do not have a a history of doing well. Um, I I just don't think TCU is is serious enough to. To win, I think Michigan's really good. Um, so I'm taking Michigan there. I would love. We were just talking about this on a on a call at work today. Like a an Ohio State Michigan national championship game would be bonkers. So like I'm rooting for that. Like that would be a ball. I'll root for that. Um, but I think Michigan has a has an easier path to, to winning that game, obviously, than Ohio State does. That would be insane. I mean, I know insane. Duke and Duke and Carolina finally got together in a Final Four. It wasn't the national championship, but they or what? It was the Final Four, right? Or was it the Elite Eight? I can't remember. I think it was the Final Four losing my mind a little um, bit yeah, yeah you, was, you you probably actually know better than i do i i have no memory i i think it was the final four is the first time they've ever gotten together in the postseason in the tournament which is hard to which is hard to really believe yeah they lost to the, in the final four to, to north okay. carolina that all those years of yep. that rivalry they've never gotten together in the in the playoff um tournament That's whatever wild. It's a bit more crazy because they it's it's realistic now. Ohio State and Michigan would never get together a second time in a season ever. If the first time they ever found a way to it's more plausible moving forward with the playoff, but like if they play in the national championship, that'd be nuts. Be pretty historic, be man. Yeah. No. Nuts. So that would uh we gotta root hard for that. So um, you know, let's uh Ohio State just like just play as well as you can, man, and then get a you know, the the these storylines, Jake, of like the revenge for Ohio State in the national championship would be would be something else. So we'll would be uh, we'll something see. Else. We'll see, man. Listen, this was fun, Jordan. We appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy your stay in the cold. Well, it's actually warming up. So we get, that's what I'm saying, man. Your presence gonna, warming up. It's balmy right? here, dude. Yeah, balmy. I'm, I'm sure like I'm that. going shirtless outside later. So yeah, this guy's tough. He's got character. He's an AFC North podcast guest. <laughs> He's Jordan Zerm. We appreciate you, brother. Hey, man. Anytime. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Thanks to Jordan for being here. Thanks to you guys for hanging out today. We will be back with, like I said, we have a couple great guests. I recorded with a commander's guest earlier today. That'll be out later this week. We'll get our interview with uh, Doug LaMarise. And and at some point, I mean, he's down in Georgia. I want to talk to him about the Browns, obviously, but I also want to get his opinion on the game coming up because he's as close to it as anybody. And then we should get with John Colosimo, time permitting, before the end of the weekend as well. So listen, I appreciate you being here. Uh, checking out the OBR. Continue to check out Jordan's work both on his Twitter feed and over at AP Sporting News. We appreciate you guys very much for being here. Um, Yeah, that's a wrap for today. Go Browns.